Hockey Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Alex Metzger. Along with me is my co-host, Chase McCallum. Uh, we took a week off last week for uh, the All-Star break. There wasn't much to talk about. Uh, I guess we'll maybe briefly discuss it. I didn't watch a second I was going to... When was the last time you actually sat down and watched the All-Star game? Four years. Whenever they made it three-on-three three and John Scott was in it. Okay. I think that was the year that I, I watched like him play, and I was in, and I was intrigued to see what three-on-three three would look like. Okay, I think that's the last time I watched it. Yeah. Too. I've like barely... I think I was on accidentally one time two years ago, and I turned it off. Like The skills competition's a little more exciting, but I didn't even watch a second of that either. It was on a Friday night, so... Yeah, like if I had nothing to do, I would gladly sit down and watch the skills competition, but we've happened to be busy, so yeah. I haven't. But it's the like... All-Star game itself, I wouldn't tune into no, even if I, mean, I had truly nothing better to do. Why would you? I mean, like, I get it. It's it's an event for more of the people who are there. Like, I don't really... I was thinking about it, though. So, like, I listened to the SDP, and they were describing it. And, like, it sounds like something that would be really cool to work at, but I'm not... I don't know if it sounds super amazing to me to be there and watching I think people, either. I don't know, the festivity... Well, I mean, probably not watching the actual game. The game itself is going to suck no matter what. Yeah, think. that's fair. But, I mean, just more like the festivities of the whole weekend. And, I mean, it's kind of like an outdoor game, right? Like, actually watching an outdoor game in the seats from a mile away probably isn't the best experience, but it's the experience of being there and the, the tailgates and stuff beforehand, that's right? That's true. And I assume there's plenty of ways to party when you got yeah. the NHL All-Stars in town. Exactly. And, like, for families, I think it would be a fun event. You get to see all the, the big stars close up three-on-three three and stuff like that. Yeah, I could see how if you had kids, it'd be, yeah. like, the coolest thing ever for your 10-year-old hockey fan son or whatever. That's why when people whine about it, I just go, who cares? Like, it's not for you. Move on. Oh, yeah, it doesn't like, affect my life No, anyway. it's like, it's a good break. Like, it's, I feel refreshed now. It's like... I don't know, I'm trying to watch more hockey that's not just bad Ottawa hockey. Like It kind of eases, acts as like the perfect sort of like midpoint in the season. Now we're on to phase two where it's like yeah, trade deadline. Exactly, like, we can start gearing up for trade deadline playoffs, what we're going to think. We're, today, we, I, I didn't even say what we're doing. We had a couple signings to talk about, but then we're going to uh, take a look at the PWHA awards. Uh, they voted for them, and so we're going to give out our midseason awards too. Um, but yeah, I, to me, I, I don't mind the All-Star game in terms of what it is for, you know, the the event that's there. I don't, I'm not going to watch it, but again, I don't know if I'm necessarily the target market. Like, No, definitely I not. I don't know what you could do to make me, put the Olympics, that would make me watch it, I guess. Yeah, like, true. Go to the Olympics, and I mean. I think it's sad because, like, they're so up against it with the All-Star game that three-on-three was a really good idea, but, like, the cap on how exciting the All-Star game can be is so freaking low oh, that yeah. even though three-on-three is a great idea, it's not like it made it some great event that's much watch television. Exactly. And what I will say is even three on three, I would much rather watch three on three of guys not trying than five on five. I didn't, like I used to, as a kid, when I was a kid, I thought the All-Star game was cool because it's the All-Star game, right? Yeah, but, it's all your favorite players. Yeah. And, but yeah. as you grow older, you go, oh my God, this sucks. Like, this is not fun. And I don't know, like I listened to hours of content this past week about how to fix the All-Star game or whatever, and I just don't care. I, I really don't. No, I don't think you're ever going to make it interesting. Like, some sports just aren't going to lend themselves to a super interesting All-Star game, and hockey's one of them. Well, and it's like, like for it to be an interesting game, there's going to be risk, too. And, like, so you sent a video, or you or Colby sent a video into our group chat the other day of a Pro Bowl from Oh, the Sean ago, Taylor highlight. When Sean Taylor just... Yeah dummy to do at the Pro Bowl because they faked a punt or whatever. If 
if someone got ran over, in an, and I get that was years ago, so and like people would lose their mind, I think, if it happened now. And it's a little different because the Pro Bowl's at the end of a season, right? So it's like you're not going to injure a guy for the rest of the year because they're not playing anymore. But yeah. it's like if someone got dummied at the All-Star game and they're cheering for my favorite team who... Or let, let's say Austin Matthews out there. He sat out with a bad wrist or whatever. If he takes a two-handed slash to his wrist and he's now actually out for three weeks or who knows how long, it's like, well, this is a huge issue. Yeah, like it's not worth... They could, in theory, make it interesting by incentivizing them to care. I don't know how they would do that, but like it's not even really worth incentivizing them to care because what if, yeah, Matthews gets yeah. hurt or... The Anybody one, gets hurt, it's the all-star game, unless it's Tyler Bertuzzi or whatever. Yeah. It's going to be somebody who really affects their team's chances of winning. The only thing I will say is that I think they could bring back the uh, draft for the, the teams. Yeah. That was really fun, watching the guys absolutely hammered on stage. Um, Nothing's more sad than that the NHL beat the NBA to that and then just didn't wash want their it, hands. Because yeah. they were like, well, someone has to it. be picked last and we don't want to promote losing. So be like, oh no, you're only the 40th best player yeah. on earth being the worst all-star kind of implies. So. Plus you get a free car. Out yeah, of it. Like, exactly. Yeah, I don't know. Anyways, that's enough all-star game talk. Uh, let's start with the fresh signing. Zach Cassian, just before we started to record, uh, has a con- just signed a contract extension. We're recording on a Wednesday night. I don't know. This might be up on Friday, maybe. Um, he signed a contract extension, four years, $3.2 million per year. Um, I, I We knew this was coming for a couple of weeks, and it still seems just as bad now. I mean... Yeah, this is ridiculous. I mean, like, Zach Cassian's having a career year... At um, age 29, playing alongside Connor McDavid. What else do I need to say? You shouldn't be paying guys money for that. No, not at all. Like, the part of the perk of having McDavid is kind of like Crosby is, like, McDavid's already where Crosby is now, where it's like he can take guys like named Brian Rust, and Brian Rust has, like, turned into a very, he's been a god this year, but I mean, like, you can turn guys that you've just never heard of in, before into, like, 40, 50 point players. You don't turn around and pay those fifty-point players three and a half million dollars, especially when you're already up up against the cap. Yes, like there's no justification for this. You want to hear a fun fact? Do you know who invented PDO? Uh, not off the top of my head. So it was an Oilers fan. So like, there's no real reason to smush on ice save percentage and shooting percentage into a stat, and like people take the intellectual angle that it's stupid a lot, and it kind of is. It makes no sense to mush them together. But the guy realized that when people were really, really low in PDO, the Oilers were tending to trade them away or sell like, like sell low, cut them or whatever, and sign them after having high PDOs. Guess who has the highest PDO on the Oilers right now? Is that Cassian? Yeah, yeah. It's, I like. There's just not, I don't know. Like, I, there's not much you can say. It's it's. The argument is well, he brings a different element to the game or whatever of toughness or whatever. But I would argue he's a fourth line player, third at best, playing with Connor McDavid, and that's why. Like, I don't know. Like, it's. It's not going to kill you. It just doesn't seem like when you're a cap trap team that this is where you want to be putting your resources. It's one of those contracts that a team would be way better off paying that uh, million dollars to Michael Blake McCurdy to just say, don't do that once a year or three times a year or whatever it was. Like, Yeah, it it just doesn't, I don't know, like, he's not a like horrible player. Like, he's an NHL player. It's just you shouldn't be giving him... Four years of term at $3.2 million. Like, yeah, I just like, don't know what else to say. He's just not 
that good. No, like, I mean, I'm like, like, good for him for getting paid, him. but... Great for him. Yeah, take advantage of that. But it's like, I don't know. I've liked the job that Ken Holland's done up until this point, but this is the exact same contracts he signed in Detroit that gave him so much trouble. Yeah, I already have seen it on Twitter. Like, before this contract was even signed, people comparing this contract to Justin Ablocator. And it has a slightly less disastrous version of that just written all over it. Yeah, like, I just, I don't know. I really, I don't know. I don't know what to say. There's not much I, you can say, I guess. He's, it, it is what it is. Yeah. Like, it's just not a good contract. It's not smart, especially for, you know, this wouldn't be smart if a team like Ottawa signed it where you're not even planning to be good for two more years. But, like... They're cap-strapped and should be competitive today. Yeah, and, like... Sure, I get he kind of helps you be competitive today, but not at that price. You can find other people for way cheaper than that. Yeah, you can find someone else who will put up 20 goals next to McDavid for less than $3 million. Yeah, exactly. And if you can't, you deserve to be fired as the GM of your hockey team. Yeah, like it just, I I really am just at a loss for words, but I I shouldn't be because this is what Edmonton does. So that's what Ken Holland does too. So, and I mean, I don't know, like again, I've liked what Ken Holland has done up to this point in the season since he's taken over, but... This one is a head scratcher to me. I don't. I just don't like it. Yeah, there's no real justification for the signing. No. Um, moving on to the Marcus Pedersen signing, another interesting signing. Definitely, I wouldn't say as bad, but uh, it's one of those where it's like, uh, who's the Dallas defenseman who signed for? Uh, oh, well, so S-O-N-L. S-O-N-L. Yeah, it's one of those deals where it's like, why did you have to give him that term slash money? Like, I don't. Marcus Pedersen's a fine player. Yeah, and he's younger than I I and I think everybody else thought or thinks he's 23 yeah I guess yeah that's fair I guess so like I assume they're betting on him getting better yeah I guess but I'd... also like yeah like four four million for five five years is the contract if you haven't seen him um he's a good player like I compared Travis Dermott and Rasmus Anderson last week he's kind of just like a slightly better version of both of them yeah, and I at think this point in his career, if the Leafs handed out like three point seven five over five years to Travis Dermott, I think that would be like okay, that's a bold. I don't know, like I would be kind of upset if they did that. Yeah, like, yeah. That, but it's like yeah, I don't know. Like I'm just trying to think of what I would say. I I think that would be a lot. I think that would probably be too much for him. Yeah, just be because like, like you could get him at cheaper. Maybe they couldn't get Pedersen at cheaper. I'm, I like this is one that. Should be fine, even if he's just if he doesn't grow much more, I think it'll be fine. Like I think he's an like he's an average ish, maybe even ever so slightly above he's average above, like, defenseman. Evolving hockey has him above average in all categories, just very very slightly. But like that's like, fine. Like that, there's zero problem with that, right? Like yeah. So say he's just like a little above average. It's not like it's a bad contract. It's just kind of strange to me that he got five years out of that. It was yeah, it was out of nowhere too. Like and it's just like one of those were in the middle of the season. It's like you couldn't have waited till the off season to sign this contract. Like Yeah, because even though Marcus Pedersen's got some had decent or defensive results this whole time in Pittsburgh, it's not like he does any of the things that get you paid particularly no. well. So I mean yeah, and evolving uh, or sorry not evolving hockey. Uh, hockey Viz really loves him on defense too. This year he's a minus fourteen threat. Now the Pangs are also a minus fourteen threat without him. They're kind of just a very good defensive team, but, which is strange. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, see, still like yeah, I don't, I don't think it's. I like this one more than the Cassian contract. Yeah, and but, yeah, Pedersen's. I don't know why I assumed he was old, but, like, I have. I thought he was, like, 25, 26. 
So maybe they're betting on him. Like, you shouldn't think he's going to get much better, but... You know, a little maybe bit. Maybe if I mean, he gets a yeah. little bit better, this looks like a perfectly good contract. Yeah, I don't... I, I think it's... This seems like a fine enough bet. I think, I think given that, you know, he doesn't really have the counting stats that you need to pay him a ton, um, it seems like a bit of an overpay, but... Uh, but, like, relative to his actual value, it wouldn't shock me if he ends up being worth, like, the exact amount of war that this contract implies. Exactly. So, yeah, I don't know. I think that's probably fine. That's all I have to say on that. Yeah, good for him. Um, all right, let's get into our awards then. I guess I'll read off what the PWHA had first, and then we can go with ours. Uh, so the first one's the Hart Trophy. Uh, they had Connor McDavid, Nathan McKinnon, and David Pasternak. Uh, do you want me to go first or you? You go first. All right. I have Connor McDavid, Nathan McKinnon, and Artemi Panarin. Okay. That's, um, that's a good three. I don't really, I don't know, I just kind of threw a lot of these together. Uh, I think McDavid, it goes without saying, that Oilers are, I think, second going into the night in their division right now. And they just paid Zach Cassian $3.2 million, and a big part of that would be um, Connor McDavid and what he does. Uh, Pretty much all of that overbearable probably came from playing with McDavid yes. this year. Um, he's at 76 points in 49 games. That's uh, insane. Yeah, like he is... He's assist per game. Yeah, 49 assists in 49 games. Uh, it's incredible what he's managed to do. Um, how many points did Kucherov have last year? 126, I believe. And he's on pace to beat that by one this year. That'd be gross. Yeah, so um, it's... I feel like you don't need to really explain Connor McDavid as a Hart Trophy. No, I don't think anybody's arguing with McDavid being a Hart Trophy winner. Same kind of goes for McKinnon. I think the one thing that I really liked from McKinnon was just the gap in scoring this year. Yeah, I think McKinnon actually has a better argument this year than in a lot of his past years. Yeah, um, so this one he was... So it all depends on how you define the Hart, right? Some people define it the best player, some most needed to their team, best player on their team that kind of just barely makes the playoffs, whatever you want to call it. The nice thing about this year is McDavid and McKinnon and Panarin, for that matter, all classify as, like, in every category. Yes, exactly. There's no lens where you could say they don't belong. Yeah, so uh, Kale McCarr is the second most amount of points on the Avalanche. And didn't he miss, like, ten games? Yeah, something like that. And I don't. I can bring it up here really quick what he has. Um, he has 37 points, and he is, I'm pretty sure, second on the Avalanche right now. Um, Want to take a wild guess at what Nathan McKinnon has? 70 points. I actually have not looked that up. But... I have not either, so we're doing that right now. 72. He has 72 points, so I'm going to double-check that this actually is a thing, but, um, yeah, like, it just goes to show, like, um, part of the reason is Landeskog and Rantanen missed such a big point of this year, and that's why, like... Yeah, obviously aren't... Rantanen would have been up there with him yeah, if he was playing, but... And, like, I don't know, like, I know there's a lot of talk in Toronto about how Dubas got fleeced or whatever. Nazem Kadri isn't having as great of a season as a lot of people seem to think he is. No, by the way, people are talking about the Barry trade. You'd think Kadri has, like, a point and a half per game right now or something ridiculous, which he just... Absolutely does not. No, yeah, so Mikhail is second, by the way. So it goes 72 points, then 37, 34, 33, 31. So he's almost doubling second. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, like, that's my thing. I, if you want to say McKinnon could win it, I really wouldn't yeah, argue against you. Yeah, I have him similar to your order. I'm kind of cheating. I have Hellebuck one. Yeah, I mean, I, I usually just keep goalies out of the heart just yeah. because of the fact that they're never actually going to yeah. win it unless... Unless it's, like, a Carey Price season a couple years ago. Yeah, like... I. I think every year a goalie should win it if it's the true Being meaning honest. of the award. But 
Because um, Winnipeg's been a dumpster fire. Yeah, and I mean, Hellebuck's cooled down a little bit. I will get to the Vesna. I have him on my Vesna ballot as well. Me but, too. Um, so with no goalies, I'd probably go Mac and then McDavid. And then it's probably a tough call. I think Panarin's a good... Yeah, I just said Panarin because he's really been, you know, dragging that team, kind of. Like, and I don't mean that in like a... I don't know. Well, like, they've been so injured, you can say. Like, he's yeah. one of the only reasons they are. And they, they're just not a amazing team to begin with. Like, they're good. They're, I think, better. They're right around kind of where I expected. Maybe even a little above that, if I'm being honest. But, I mean, uh, he has been lights out, and... I think sometimes when you've in the past even we've seen uh, guys sign big contracts and you know disappoint. You see what happens in Bobrovsky this year. Yeah. Um, and a goalie obviously a little different, but he has like outperformed that like crazy, right? So, which um, is hard to do when he makes that much money. He's at sixty-eight points. Ryan Strom has the next amount at forty-three. Ew. And I'm pretty sure he's playing with Panarin. So, um, yeah, like it's just. I didn't really... Pasternak was the name on the uh, ballot for the PWHA. I don't buy that. I I think all of Pasternak, Marshawn, and uh, Rask have been way too good for any one of them. And Bergeron's yeah, I mean, still like, hanging around yeah, there. Yeah, like Pasternak has 70 points, Marshawn has 65, and Rask has been one of the best goalies in the league. Like It reminded me of Kucherov-ish last year, but like if there was a closer gap between Stamkos and Kucherov from last year. Yeah, exactly. Like, and, yeah, I don't know. Like, I think Kucherov got it last year because it was like he just he had 120-something points or whatever it was. Um, I mean, Pasternak's on pace for 112, which is ridiculous. But Marshawn's closer to him than anyone on Tampa Bay was. Any, last year. And also, Pasternak isn't the league leader for, you know, on pace. Like, McDavid's on pace for more, right? Yeah. So, like, if uh, Kucherov would have had 122 points last year and McDavid had 125, I don't think Kucherov was winning the heart. Probably even not. with the, how good that team was in the regular season, yeah. so it's uh, it's too bad the Sabers have kind of fallen off, which I guess we should have all seen coming. But I think Eichel deserves at least a mention in this conversation. Yeah, even though they've been bad, it's uh, I think it was Dmitry Filipovich had a tweet the other last night. Um, his rookie season, they were on pace for eighty-one points, a twenty-eight minus twenty-eight goal differential, and something else that wasn't very good. This year, five years later, they're on pace for 81 points, a minus 26 goal differential, and something else that's just a little less bad. Which means the team has actually gotten worse, because in his rookie year, Eichel was playing like a second-line player, and now he's playing like a top-ten player, and yeah. they're still on pace for the exact same thing, more or less. So, I hope um, they can either put something around him, or get him out of there, but I mean, him and, like, it's weird too, because it's like, they should have a better team than this. You would think. Like, like, a little, like, I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't, their decor isn't great, but if you're used properly, like, Deline's really struggled this year. He's um, coming around now, at he's least. He's picking but... up, but, like, the first half of this year was rough. Um, so rough that I guess people say Sandine should be over him in a 2018 redraft, but. It's a thing real people said. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I couldn't believe that tweet when I saw it. Uh, not like it was anyone credible, but still, I was like, what on earth is happening? Um. Yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I think it's fair. Like it, it's sad for Eichel that he's stuck in Buffalo just with how they are playing right now. Yeah, it's kind of trendy every time the Oilers miss the playoffs to be like, "Hey, is it time for Connor McDavid to ask out?" But I think the same thing should probably start being said about Eichel. Exactly. Sooner rather than later. Yeah, and like, yeah, like at least the Oilers are with McDavid. He has dry cycle with him. He yeah. has cleft bomb with him. You know, even, like, Darnell Nurse and guys, like, Nugent Hopkins. There's at least pieces still there. Like, 
Buffalo now has Deline and Reinhardt. But like even Reinhardt is not on Dreisaitl's level. No, like Reinhardt's good, but and he's even like better than the market would probably value him at. But also, nobody thinks like, oh wow, we have Sam Reinhardt. That's my yeah. guy. I'm riding with going forward. Exactly. It's like, oh, we're all good. We got Sam Reinhardt. Yeah. Like, no, sorry. Like, whereas if you see Dreisaitl's 105 points or whatever he's gonna put up, you might be like, okay, I don't want to leave. Yeah. Uh, all right, do you want to move on to the Norris, I guess? Let's do it. Uh, so they had John Carlson, Roman Yossi, and Dougie Hamilton. Uh, obviously, I don't think Dougie Hamilton will end up, uh, unfortunately, being in this race just because he has a broken leg. I guess we didn't even talk about that. Uh, Dougie Hamilton broke his leg. Which sucks. Which really sucks. I mean, maybe we mentioned it I think we podcast. mentioned it last weekend. Yeah. Or, or whenever yeah, we yeah. recorded last. Um, yeah, like, that sucks. Yeah. Uh, I think he probably, if we're just counting the midseason, which this is, it's fair to have him there. I think he probably would be on my ballot. I tried to like kind of look forward onto maybe what would happen for the rest of the year when I chose mine. So yeah, that's a hundred percent fair for just midseason though. Like up until this point, I debated having him one. Yeah, I mean he's been a top five defender easily, uh, yeah. without question, and very easily in the top three, I think as well. So yeah, I wouldn't buy an argument that has him outside of your top like five to ten or no, whatever. No, I I agree with that. Um, yeah, and then uh, so I here you can start with your list, I guess this time. So I think I'd probably go Pedrangelo, Dougie, and then maybe Yossi. I I had Pedrangelo one. I had Hedman two. Oh, that's a good one. I had one of Ellis or Yossi three. Just take your pick because they've both been unreal. Yeah. And then I had an honorable mention to John Carlson because he is on pace for over a point a game as a defender, which is, I get he, he doesn't play great defense still. I think he's ranked 20th in GAR for defensemen among evolving hockey there. But he, like, he has 60 points in 50 games as a defenseman. That is insane. Like, that is crazy. I, I just feel like, I feel bad not even having him as, like, an honorable mention on my ballot, so I figured I'd, I'd give a shout-out. I mean, yeah, he has his defensive issues, but if he puts up 98 points this year, which he's on pace to... Oh, he is going to win yeah. the Norris, which is going to forever prove that it's just points. Until Drew Doughty's do, but... <laughs> True. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I figure I have him fourth. I know... Uh, if we're looking at the numbers closely, you know, you can make an argument to have him a little outside, but at the same time, that power play scoring is just absolutely insane. And I know that, I mean, we've talked about it multiple times, even when this contract was signed, we said that probably wasn't a great call, given he's not the leader on the power play, but I mean, he is an integral part to it as well. So. Yeah, everybody likes to post screenshots of OV wide open and be like, how the hell does this still happen? It's like... You kind of have to... Like, you can't just leave John Carlson no. and Nicholas Backstrom Ex- to exactly. set each other up. Like, you can't just yeah. leave that. And same with TJ Oshie in front of the net or whatever. Like, exactly. you can't just let him sit there, so... Yeah, Oshie's yeah. like a career 20% shooter. John Carlson has one of the better one-timers from the point. You don't want to just let Backstrom yeah. feed it to those guys all day long, either. Exactly. So I had him for, yeah, Ellis and Yossi. They've both been playing Unreal. Uh, evolving hockey right now is them second and third uh, in Gar for defensemen. Uh, his Ellis about six goals above replacement over Roman Yossi, uh, and Petrangelo's number one at twenty point four goals above replacement at this point. I think it's totally God, fair to give Petrangelo uh, yeah. this award. He um, kind of feels like like it's uh, too bad for him that John Carlson's probably going to put up like eighty five points this year or something stupid like that because this feels like one of those years where the media could get together and be like. 
Petrangelo's do, and stats people would not push back yeah, on Yeah, well, like, I think we were joking about it at the beginning of the year when we were trying to guess awards. It's like, well, who's going to be due this year? And after the Stanley Cup, we're like, okay, it's going to be Petrangelo because that's just kind of how it goes, right? And But, yeah, uh, he's been legitimately amazing. Like, yeah. And it's been a big reason why the Blues have not suffered at all coming off a cup win. They're right back on the top, in the, on top of the West and in their own division. So, And then my other name was Hedman. Uh, I think he's a top four right now in evolving hockey. But also, if you go to Hockey Viz, uh, he is just a, I believe he's a minus 14 Tampa Bay in their own end when he's on the ice. Let me double check that, though. Uh, he's also, Ryan McDonough is top, uh, or sorry, Kevin Shattenkirk is top seven right now in uh, Gar. And guess yep. who he plays with? Yeah. Uh, it's exactly. one Victor Hedman. And I. Who could have seen this big Kevin Shattenkirk bounce back? Yeah. Coming, eh? I, I think it's obviously even a little more aggressive than most of us thought, but like. Yeah, I wouldn't I'm, have paid yeah. him. Shattenkirk's a good but... player, but yeah, like Hedman has been a huge help in that. He's my, The threat is minus 11 when he's on the ice. Uh, it is just all blue in front of the net. Yeah, um, especially so, to the left side, yeah, where too. he plays. There's just nothing coming from there. So I figured, you know, I don't know if he deserved to win when he won his actual Norris a couple years ago, but or was it last year? Uh, might have been, might last, have been year. last year. I don't know, yeah. yeah. Tampa Bay cleaned up last yeah. year. But, yeah, I think he should be probably in the top three right now. So yeah, yeah. There's pretty good arguments for a lot of guys at the top. Even Carlson, I didn't have on my ballot, but like, I don't think it's insane to. No, like I... his defense has been actively bad enough that I don't have him winning it or whatever. But like, I don't think it's crazy to have him on. Your no, ballot. especially if he has like a 90 point season. Like that just can't be understated. Yeah, and um, he's yeah. You can aside from points, like his offense is legitimately yes, amazing. Exactly. This year. And so yeah, I mean his defense leaves a lot to be desired, but I think you also know that when you come out with John Carlson. So yeah. um, I did see uh, one of the best tweets I've seen in a long time was Ryan Lambert, I think, posted, I'm old enough to remember when a Caps defenseman couldn't win the Norris because he was a defensive liability, and it was Carlson's RAPM next to Mike Green's Mike, back yeah. in the day, and Carlson's is like worse in every way. Yeah. But. Um, I don't. Do you have anything else on the Norris? Uh, no, I don't think so. Okay, let's go to the Selkie. I guess I don't really. I think I said this last year. I barely picked them. Uh, I have three names here: Mark Stone and Sean Couturier. Have a tie for first. I don't really care. Pick whichever one you want. Um, when you go to both of their hockey viz models, uh, both of them, it's just nothing but blue right in front of the net. Yeah. Um, I think both of them are criminally underrated. I think Sean Couturier is a lot closer to, like, a top 10 player in the NHL than people give him credit for. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. Some people I still don't even think know he's, like, a 1C. And he's, like, an elite 1C. And he's, like, closer to the top 10 than yes, outside. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, I don't know. Like, he uh, he's having a great year defensively again. They're a minus 7 threat with him on the ice. Uh, minus four without. Uh, there's just a lot of blue right in the middle of the ice there where the centerman uh, plays a lot of the time. Um, Mark Stone's is even more fun somehow. Uh, his is just like a sea of blue. Um, as it always is. Yeah, as it usually is. A minus 12 threat, they're minus one when he's not on the ice, so the, the gap's a little bigger. Uh, my third place ballot, I had Anthony Sorelli. That's um, a good pick. He's just, I, I think a lot of this is also playing with Hedman. Uh, you know, having a lot of time with the guy who I just said could be second or third in Norris voting right now. Um, but it is just, I think the threat for him is minus 12 when he's on the ice. So Yeah, I have, uh, what's his, Ryan O'Reilly won. Yeah. I like him. He doesn't take penalties too, which is a big thing that 
it's not a huge thing to consider, but I do like to look at it in the uh, Selkie voting, and then I'd probably put Sorelli and then Stone. Yeah. Um, Maybe Couturier. I don't know. I don't feel super passionately about the no, Selkie I, Yeah, I don't. Season. I think every every year we kind of know that it's going to be uh, Patrice Bergeron, a couple of maybe Kopitar, even if they don't deserve it, and then one other guy, whoever yeah. whoever play is known to be good defensively but plays offensively. Um, I think Barkov's going to start getting some love for it, and I don't think that's really justified. Yeah, Barkov, something that's kind of slid under the radar over the past however many years of him apparently being the best or the most underrated player in the world is his defense actually hasn't been that good for a while now. No, I mean, the first two years it was unreal, and then now it's just been like... Now he's it's the not off- bad, but it's just like it's he's really good offensively. Yeah, like he is the offensive juggernaut that is eighty five points or whatever he always ends the year with implies. But yeah. he's never this defensive. The the threat monster. right now with him on the ice is plus two percent from uh, hockeybiz.com. Um, and without him, it's minus one. Like, yeah, like I don't know. I, I just and it, like, yeah, the underrated thing. I think the the players did a poll again. And again, Barkov was somehow the most underrated player. It's like, hey, this has been the third damn year in a row. You cannot be the most underrated player at this point. It just is literally not possible. Yeah, like at this point, I actually think there's a better argument he's He's overrated. overrated. Yes, even just slightly, but like probably. Yeah, because some of the things he's good at, like it's one of his best skills is his penalty differential. When people talk about how good he is, they're never talking about that. No. So if that's not part of your equation and you still think you're, he's like the top three center in the league or whatever, you're probably actually overrating him. Yeah, like, and it's funny because I still think they probably have an argument for the most underrated player in the league. For me, it'd be to, for me now. I think it's between Sean Couturier or uh, Jonathan Huberdo. Huberdo's a good one. Did Hub- he, he just broke the Florida Panthers Sc- franchise scoring record. record. Scoring. Yeah, he had. I think he had eighty points last year or something like that. Yeah, he and was no one talks about it. And he's on pace for that again. Yeah, like he's just plugging along. He had ninety-two points last year. Ninety-two. Yeah, I had him within error bars in terms of impact of Huberdo last year, even though he played like four fewer minutes a game. Of who? Of who? The, sorry, Huberdo. Like, Huberto was in... With an error bars of Park. Oh, okay, yeah, sorry. Yeah, and With then, much less ice time. This year he's on pace for 109 points. <laughs> like, and no one's talking about him. Yeah. And I get he plays with guys like Barkov, too, but, like, damn, come on! That's insane! Yeah, he's very good, and... Yeah, it's weird that Barkov gets all this underrated talk, and Huberto just kind of plugs along there. Yeah, and, and I get, like, Florida's not a huge, a big market by any means, but, like, they've had the eyes on them enough lately with the the signings that they've made and Coach Q and Bob and stuff like that. They, you'd think they'd get a little more love for, you know, their guys who are legitimately good. Same with Dadanoff, too. Yeah, Dadanoff's been very good. Yeah, I, he's over. been unreal since he came over. I, for a while there, I thought he was one of the most underrated guys. I don't think he quite has the ceiling for that anymore, but... No, he kind of... He was stronger in his first season than his second, too, yeah. which didn't help the case, but But, still. I mean, he's still very good, so... Um, for Selkie, they had Sean Couturier, Patrice Bergeron, and Ryan O'Reilly. That's fair. Um, yeah, I mean... Bergeron's going to get his votes. Yeah, I say we had two of the three guys on there, so I can't really complain. Um, Bergeron is, yeah, going to get his votes no matter what. He could let up... 125 goals in, you know, a 12-game span, and people are like, well, it's probably Tuka Rask's fault. Yeah, but... it, it's sad that it does look like... Bergeron obviously hasn't fallen off. He's not some bum or whatever, but it looks like this is finally... This... He's at, what, 40 points, I think, this year, and, you know, it's just... And he was never, obviously, a big 
point getter to begin with, right? But, but it looks like he's getting left behind by his line mates yeah. when there was a pretty good argument. He was he driving was, it. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I don't I want to go to the Calder now, I guess. Yeah. I saw a name on your ballot that I left off mine, and I regret that. Um, I guess we'll start with theirs real quick. Uh, so they had Kale McCarr, Quinn Hughes, Victor Olofsson as the top three. I have Kale McCarr, John Marino, and Quinn Hughes. Well, that's a kinky one. Um, I, I know the one name. I'll let you bring up the name in a second. But, yeah, I don't know. McCarr's been really good. Uh, he's been an undisputed number one defenseman. For a while there, he was probably, I could have, you know, for the first 25 games or so, I could have uh, made an argument that he should be in the Norris voting. Yeah, which is ridiculous for a 20-year-old yeah, defenseman. who just played, you know, seven playoff games or whatever on earth it was last year um, and nothing else. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, he's fallen off a little bit, uh, but he's still sixth overall in uh, defensive gar for, or, like, defenseman gar overall for evolving hockey. And he's missed probably five or six games less yeah, than most I say of the people above him. Yeah, he's 41 games played. Ellis is the only one with less above him at 39. Yeah. Um, and then, similar, John Marino is right there as well. 48 games played. He's 10th overall. Uh, he's just been uh, insane. Like, he's... I don't I didn't even know who this guy was about two months ago. He's the peak, like, Mark Donk and Dan Flibbett yeah. Pittsburgh Penguin player who just shows up and... Just, and he's been weird. Like, he, most of the time people are talking about the Brian Russ of the world that play with Crosby and Malkin, but he's a defenseman who's just had amazing defensive results Yeah, like, I'm pretty... He was putting up good results with, like, Jack Johnson. Which when he's not when he easy to, to do. No, exactly. It's like, oh my god! Like better men than him have tried and failed. Yeah, and it, I think it, it's a little. How old is he? I, I want to say he's like twenty three, twenty four. He's another one who's deceivingly young. Twenty two years old. That's not that bad, I guess. I, he was getting a little older for the Calder Trophy, but technically, he can be up to twenty six. Uh, I don't know if those are the. I, I don't know if I agree with those rules, but those are the rules. So, um, I, I think I would probably have him on my ballot. Um, and then, yeah, I have Quinn Hughes third. He's a very good defenseman. He's much more rounded, uh, I think, than Kale McCarr, if I'm remembering that correctly. Yes. He, he's better in his own end, and he's not quite, uh, not nowhere near as good offensively. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. They're, I, I think the, the Hughes versus McCarr debates are going to go on for a while, and they're always fun to watch online. Because anytime someone says McCarr is good, it's like, Vancouver fans come in. Uh, there was, a, I think, it was a tweet. It was like whenever someone says Vint McCarr is good, it's like yes, and Quinn Hughes is all. He and Quinn Hughes are also very good, or something like that. And it's like, yeah, that, that debate is going to go on for a very long time. But yeah, they could be like the Matthews Eichel of defense. Yeah, where they're both just amazing, but people love to argue about the two of them. Exactly. Um, yeah, so that's my three. Uh, I had McCarr first again. I think he's going to win it by a landslide. I would say it's, so. it's his to lose, unless like. Someone else goes on a heater or something like or that. Or he misses more time yeah. is the only yeah. real thing. And then I think I have Hughes and Adam Fox. Yeah, so Adam Fox was the name that I saw, and I was like, that's a pretty good one, too. He's been silently very, very good in New York. Yeah, like, the Rangers have gotten absolutely no coverage at all this year nationally, or at least I haven't seen much, but Fox is just plugging along, playing like... Like, he's got the results of, like, a number one defenseman. Yeah, I mean... Which I would have not bet on. No, not a, not this... Yes, not a generally, I don't think, but especially not this quickly. Like he's Yeah, maybe in, not ever. Never yeah, mind right now. Um, I, I think we, both in the summer, thought it was a pretty smart move to pick him up for as cheap as they did. Yep. Um, but uh, I was kind of assuming he'd be, like, a 4-5 guy this year at best and just kind of make your decor that was never very good a little better. Well, yeah, I thought he was just going to be a depth piece for yeah. now, and then he could grow into... Not absolutely lead the charge, but uh, 
Yeah, no, that's a that's a very good pick. I th- I think that uh, that's solid. Um, New York's a very interesting team because uh, it'll be interesting to see if they stick to the plan and sell off guys like Kreider or they better sell off if, if they line. go classic New York and go. All right, we did our big spending. We we're going to rebuild, but that was boring after one year. So we'll just keep everyone and pay everyone. Um, I think you have to sell off, but even guys like. Like, Ryan Strome wants to stay, and they're talking about extending him now. It's like, the guy's having a career year at age 26 playing along are Temi Panarin's. Like, you probably don't need to overpay for that. Yeah, like, Strome's one of those guys where your prior should have been so low on him that you can't possibly believe he's actually worth a big extension right now. No, and so, like, but, like, I think you could probably get a good package for him if you traded him this deadline. Oh, I would be looking to sell high on him. But him, Kreider, Jesper Fast, like... Those are three names that could probably net you a decent amount at the deadline. I would think you could, like, the way he's playing this year, and, like, he has some name value, Strom's worth a first, and then Kreider, you probably do the same. Kreider would be first in a prospect, and, like, I think. First plus, yeah. yeah. If Kreider should be worth more, I believe yeah. he's a better If you don't player. get a first for Chris Kreider, you should quit as a GM, I think. Yeah, unless you're getting one of those like, uh, a brand really, Yeah, really prospects. good prospect, but, yeah. Um, he seems primed to get the Hayes package, where you get the 20... Fifth projected yeah, overall and pick, a, and a prospect of some point, uh, some sort, right? Yeah, um, yeah. And then there's yes uh, um, for fast. will probably bring in some mid round pick, I would assume. So I'm like, sure some teams talking themselves into giving up a third round pick for or a fourth round pick for yes for fast. Exactly. Um, yeah. So like I, I don't know, but they're an interesting spot, and they also have three goalies for a year and a half left. But they don't want to move Gorgiev because he's good, like good enough, and. I don't know if we talked about the Kapan and Gorgiev stuff on the podcast. I don't think we have. I don't need to get into it too much. My my point on actually, maybe we did. I I do feel like I did we. I we might might have. In person, sometimes I get mixed up with like what we talked about on or not on the podcast. I'm going to look this up really quick because we kind of stopped recording during the phase where everybody decided the Leafs needed to get Gorgiev at all costs. Yeah, but I know we recorded two years ago or two years ago. Feels like that some days. Two weeks sure. ago, um, I just can't remember what all we talked about. I'm, I'm checking this. Two weeks ago does feel like a forever ago now. Yeah, I guess it was just coaches fired and stuff like that. Yeah, Cole Chuck no... could just sign. Yeah, yeah, maybe we didn't. My point was on more just like, I get why New York wants a big package. I just don't think the Leafs should be giving up a top six forward by definition, even if he's a second line forward, for a backup goalie who you were hoping might turn into a starter one day. Yeah, like, no, Kapanen disappointed in the top six this year, but I, like, you don't give up Kasperi Kapanen for a backup goal, for a team's third string goalie. Yeah, who you have to extend right away, too. Yeah, like, you just don't do that. No. Um, yeah, and, like, I don't know, like, I get why New York is, he has good enough numbers. Yeah, he's got better underlying numbers than his, like, raw totals, but people generally, like, the market will generally go off the raw totals, yeah. so there's no need to treat him like he's some god. Exactly. Because so. he has a very just average-ish save percentage. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's fine, but, like, I just, yeah, I don't know. I don't need to get into that much. It'll just be interesting to see what they do. Yeah. Um, they're 4-6 they're and six in their last 10 games, New York is, so they've really slipped out of a playoff spot now that I'm looking at this, so I would assume they'll just sell now. Um, I would hope so. They're 10 points back. Yeah, they're Flyers. 10 points back. I didn't realize how much they had really slipped because even within, just before the uh, bye week, and, you know, they're, they're on their bye week now, so they'll have a couple games to make up, but at best they'll be six points behind, which is still a, a big, big track yeah. to make up. And they've been getting shelled 
all year. Yeah, it's not like they, they, they rang off a hot streak of guys like Panarin and their goaltending and, you know, Adam Fox, but that's not sustainable for a full year, and it, uh, you shouldn't be avoiding getting a bunch of top picks for that uh, just to try and keep that up. Yeah, exactly. Like, the Washington Capitals would probably struggle to make the playoffs on, like, a 45% Corsi, and they have they're always the best shooting team in the league, so I have no reason to think the Rangers are going to go do it. Yeah. Um... Looking at theirs, uh, McCarr Hughes Olafson. I don't really agree with Olafson. I know he started the year hot, but like, yeah, that seems kind of wild to me. There's definitely better rookies than that that you could pick. Yeah, Fox especially. I yeah. would say it's also weird to me that it's all defensemen this yeah. year. Well, Olafson's a forward. Yeah, but I guess on our list. Yes. Yeah. Like it's strength usually the. Well, you and you would have like guessed that one of Kako or Hughes would probably make his way, but both of them just haven't been. Yeah, they, they, they've they just both been really big disappointments, and it's not Kako really like a, especially, too. But yeah. Kako's been, like, actively terrible. Hughes has just been, like... Not great. Struggling, like, but yeah. not amazing. Exactly. Um, yeah, it is interesting. Um, I'm trying to think of, like, the big rookie forwards, too. I'm sure we're missing a couple names that are, like, clearly sticking off the page, yeah. but... Samsonov is one. He's not a forward, but yeah, he's been very good. Like, Kirby Doc is in Chicago, but it's not like he's lighting anything up. No, like, it. yeah, it's not a big crop for forwards, which is really weird, because I feel like it's been a slam dunk for it to be a forward for a decent amount of years yeah. in a row now. Yeah, Doc is 14 points in 45 games. It's not, like, I don't know, it's fine for a yeah, the, 19-year-old, but... The Twins have him, like, slightly above replacement level. Yeah, so... Maybe that's promising going forward, but it's not, not exactly... this year. When you got guys like McCarr and Hughes, who, yes, are like two years older than him, but still. Um, okay, we got the Vezina and then the Jack Adams left. Uh, the Vezina, they had. I don't want to look at this even. Okay. It's actually Hel- really Hellebuck, good. Bishop, and Kemper. That's uh, funny enough. That's the three guys I had, too. I have Tristan Jari and Kemper tied for third place uh, just because they both kind of played less games than the other two, I believe. Um, I'm assuming you're going to have Hellebuck one if he was your. Hart nominee. Yep. Um, I think he, he's calm. He settled down a little, but that defense core is so bad in front of him that I have a hard time not uh, giving him credit too. So I could go him or Bishop either way. Bishop's the opposite, where he's been really good. He also has a really good defense core in front of him, but or yep. not not defense core, but a good defensive team in front of him. Kind of like the yeah. Robin Leonard style last year, where it was like, okay, like you, it's hard to separate the two, but it's like a very good defensive team and a very good goalie here. Yeah, like the reverse Leafs. Yeah, the exactly. The team is good at defense more than it has yeah. elite defensemen. Yeah. Although Klingberg is good, but defense is definitely not his thing. Yes. Um, but yeah, so I had Bishop, Hellebuck, and then I had just Kemper slash Jari. I think he'd go either way. Um, yeah, that's fair. Enough. If Kemper wasn't hurt, I think he would be making a uh, a push for first, but he missed a couple games because of a lower body injury. So yeah, it sucks he got hurt because he could be maybe a win like the winner of this. Yeah, I mean, if he would have kept up that streak, um, uh, or if you know, even if he comes back and, and does what he did before, I, I absolutely think he would probably be one of the favorites. Yeah. So yeah, usually I usually the award I disagree with the voters most on is the Vesna. And, cause, well, I guess it's usually the GMs, not yeah. the HWA, but I don't really feel passionately enough to change their order at all. No, I think, like, that's, I, I think that's a very fine list. I think you could have any one of those three guys in the top, uh, what, like whatever order you want in there, but I think they got the absolute right three guys. Yeah. Which is like just doesn't happen too often. No, usually it's just some dude with a whole bunch of wins who has like a 
And they even had, like, you're looking at the biggest snub. Oh, I guess that's not from the people. This is from the hockey news. I say they had the biggest snub as Tuka Rask, which I also think is fair. Rask has yeah, been very been good very this year. Good too. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't, there's not, there's only so much you can talk about with goalies, but I, I think this is, yeah, this is probably most, without actually looking at it beforehand, this is the most surprised and pleasantly surprised I've been with the list in a while. So, uh, Jack Adams, uh, they have Mike Sullivan, John Tortorella, and Craig Berube. I have. Mike Sullivan, John Tortorella, and John Cooper. Uh, That's a good top three. So uh, Sullivan uh, doesn't need too much explaining. Pittsburgh has been injured like crazy this year. And just um, plugging along. And not even plugging along. Top five in expected goals and Corsi metrics. Um, they, they've been like legitimately good without Sidney Crosby or Gunny Malkin for like half the year. Or like one of the other for like the whole year pretty much is what I mean. Yeah, they're like a sneaky cup favorite. Yeah, they should be. Um It'll be interesting to see what they do at the deadline, but they're like they're really really good. Yeah, they are. They're really good. Um, Torts at number two. Uh, he's hot. He's Columbus is definitely riding some very very hot goaltending. Um, that being said, uh, the PDO cast. I forget who they had on. I forgive me, but they had a really good episode and breakdown of what Columbus does that makes their goaltending at least a little easier on the goaltenders. Um, and again, you're not going to expect 935 no. or whatever Elvis is putting up right now, but it's like they're really buying into a more defensive structure, which they know they have to do because they lost so much talent this year. Um, yeah, they're not going to go out and blow the doors off people. No, this year. No, exactly. And it's like, and, and but I, I always I, I try and credit a team for playing like that because it's at least heads up enough to know it's like you know it's kind of like what ottawa did when uh but it's better because i think their their rates are still slightly positive yeah it's they're like, not getting yeah you're not getting cave but it's like you're at least you also know you're not letting much up either right so um i'm just looking at it they're corsi against per 60 they're oh why can't i find them why can't i find them they're 13th uh so they're middle of the pack pretty much yeah and like that's way better than i thought it was going to be but they're still plugging along as a really good uh, quality team. Yeah, too, exactly. Which is weird yeah. for a roster of this quality, I guess, because there aren't that like they're kind of barren as far as talent goes. Yeah, they're fifth best in expected goals against. Yeah, so the only teams better is Tampa, Pittsburgh, Boston, Minnesota. Three of those teams are very, very good teams. One is a team that just doesn't ever not play defense. One is coached by Bruce Boudreau and doesn't ever not play defense. Yeah. So. Um, that's a good good spot, and Dallas is right there as well. Uh, at sixth Another overall. good defensive yeah. team. Yeah. So that's very good company to be in. I think uh, I'm not always the biggest fan of John Tortorella, but I think he's been legitimately good this year. So Yeah, you can make a pretty good argument for him. Yeah, and then John Cooper, my argument is more just uh, if you go and look at Tampa and they're expected, they're first in expected goals, and I believe they're first, uh, maybe not first in Corsi. They're top ten in Corsi, though. Um, top five, they're fifth. They're, yeah. um, they've just been really good, and... Uh, you know, everyone was kind of down on them. I know the playoffs is a bad finish to the last year, but, you know, everyone was kind of down on the start of this year. But they've been legitimately a dominant team, and honestly, they might be even more scary than they were last year in terms of, like, playing properly, too. Like, 100%. Like, uh, they, I don't know if they will be by playoff time or whatever, but they are a very, very good team that... They're like the national conversation's pretty high on them now. It's not very hipster to say that they're good no, anymore, but no. like people were down on them for much longer than they should have been because their numbers were good all year. They just kind of underperformed them at the start. Yeah, like it doesn't seem that out of possibility that they win the Atlantic now. No, I mean they have a long way to go. They're 
seven points back. They have two games in hand, but still, like... They have a better goal differential than the Bruins. Yes, uh, well, Boston's been low-key, like, not amazing. Like, they have 12... They have 22 losses this year. Yeah, the They're 29-22, big... but they have 12 overtime or shootout losses. Yeah, Boston has seven more OT losses than Tampa Bay, and guess how many points they are up on them? Seven. Yeah, yeah like, it's... The, the three-point system is stupid. I don't really want to get into this right now, but, like, it's just insane how much you can inflate your totals. Yeah. Um, yeah, Boston's been the best at losing this year, and that's the yeah. only reason they're out of Tampa. Exactly. Well, you, yeah, and it's just like, you know, and some people say there's a skill to that. It's like, I guess. It's also kind of luck, but, like... Yeah, like, and, like, you can look at it as maybe they should have won half of those, but then you'd have to go in to do the math on how many games I actually went to, like, how many shootout wins they have, too, yeah. so... Yeah, so it's not I, that simple, but still, I don't know. Like it's, yeah, I, it's the loser points is not fun. But it, my my point is more just Tampa has been really really good, so that's why I want to have John Cooper, uh, Craig Berube for their list. I think is, it's whatever. Like I'm not again. St. Louis is a good team too, right? And so. yeah, they, they don't have the best on ice numbers. I don't think I would have Craig Berube on there, but no, I probably wouldn't either. But like I'm not. It's not insane. when the team's first in the West. I'm not gonna say whoa whoa whoa. What are you doing here? So. Yeah, that's um, very Who fair. do you have as your three? I have Mike Sullivan in first by a mile. Yep. And then I think I like Bednar and Torts. Yeah, that's a fair. That's a good one, too. Bednar's sort of the same vein as Mike Sullivan, but with much worse results, where the team has just been damaged mm-hmm. all year long. That yep. They're plugging along. Good, good on him to keep, and McKinnon, obviously. And Sullivan's not doing it without help either, but... Yeah, well, I mean, it's kind of the thing we're talking about with McKinnon is they're... They're still second in their division, I think, right now. And, like, they're not obviously, like, comfortably in a playoff spot, but it would be a pretty big shock if they drop out of a playoff spot at this point. Yeah, they're eight points up on Chicago. Yeah, who so... they would have to get passed by. Exactly. So it's a, it'd be a pretty big shock, and they did that without Landeskog and Rantanen for large parts of the year. Yeah. Um, you know, the car missing time. Exactly. And... They got guys like Burakovsky, who's really found his career again. You know, he's got, I think, 33 points this year. Yeah, I think it was 33 you know, Kadri's been, again, I don't think Kadri's been anywhere near as good as people say he's been. But He's just kind of been Kadri. Yeah, he's yeah. been he's on pace for, you know, almost 40 points and, I don't know, probably playing some decent defense as well. Um, yeah, I don't know, like, that's a very well-coached team as well. So, yep. um, yeah, I, that's our award picks. I don't really have much more to add this week. There's not a whole bunch of news that happened because of the All-Star game. Uh, the All-Star game usually tends to calm it down for a little bit at least there'll be a bunch of trade rumors that are coming up and we'll definitely have a lot to talk about in the next it couple weeks because this deadline looks like it's going to be so fucking bad oh yeah it's going to be um a deadline that's yeah. for sure like you know it's bad when even people that work for the major networks who are like directly dependent on this thing getting good tv ratings are, are like, like yeah, yeah this, this is, is gonna yeah. suck well john gabriel pajot i think is first on the tsn trade bait board i Jeez. love pajot but like He's a third-line player. Alec Martinez is second, if I remember yeah, correctly. Something, yeah, a first-round pick is like the eighth overall spot right now. <laughs> like, just a first-round pick. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's... Uh, teams are going to convince themselves that uh, they're this is their year and they should go get the best player no matter what, and that best player is going to be... Now that Taylor Hall is off the market, that best player, player is going to be very underwhelming. Yeah, there's actually a non-zero chance Pajot gets, like, the same package as... I like, so Hall. pretty much pretty much right now um, they're saying that Pajot teams might only offer a conditional first, but that condition could be like make the playoffs. 
So like, yeah. like that's it. And I would take that as as a sense fan. I would take that every day of the week. Like a first round pick for Pajot would be an enormous yeah. win. Yeah, even a condi- even a second round pick for Pajot. Yeah. Like a second. So you go second and fourth. The condition on a second is it turns to a first if you win a round or something like that. Yeah, like that would be a huge. I would take that every day. Yeah, like, that'd be every great. day. Come on. Yeah, and I'm sure they can get some prospect. Yeah, or something like that. I, yeah, exactly. Like D- yeah, like. Dylan DeMello m- might be one the, of, one of the, like, best, the well, best players so, to move yeah, this I, deadline. I tweeted about this the other day, and so Ottawa's been talking about moving to Dylan DeMello. I personally think that would be a huge mistake. You uh, think so? Um, I just think he's a... Well, their right side is brutal. Like, yeah. just garbage. I think he's a better option, because I think the market is going to undervalue value him pretty aggressively. Yeah, he, he only has eight assists yes, this year, and zero he, goals. He's a very good possession player, though. Yeah, he is like, good. Yeah, like, he's a... He's, a guy who's not going to drive his own line, but like if you play him with someone like Thomas Shabbat, he's what everyone thought Mark Mathot was to Eric Carlson, but he's actually good at playing hockey. Yeah, um, like that's the best way I can describe it. Yeah, and that's a good description. I, I know there's some disrespect to Mark Mathot. I think he had better years than when he was at the end of Ottawa, but like I don't know. Like people always thought Mathot was this defensive stalwart. He wasn't, but like Dylan Demello is like pretty good. Like, yeah, he's just I don't, a solid hockey player. Yeah, like he's a good guy. He's a good guy that would play well on your second pair, but if you have a really good defenseman, you can plug him into your first pair really well. And because of that, I think he's going to be dirt cheap if you want to sign him. Yeah, I don't think he's going to be. He's going to be like $2 million. Expensive. You could get him, I bet you could get him three years, $2.5 million. Yeah, that's fair. Right? Like, I don't know. Like, to me, the, the comparison I put was um, Kempney and Jensen. Yeah, that's a very past good two years. comparison. And so, you're hoping to get, like, a second round. Yes, a second, and, you know, I think they got Bowie, who's not a very good prospect. And then they also signed a four-year deal at $2.5 million per right away. That's the exact kind of deal I could see Dylan DeMello signing as well. Yeah, that's um, fair. So, yeah, but, like, he might be one of the best defensemen moved this deadline, and that is saying a lot. Yeah, I would, if they can't, ex- I would think Ottawa needs to do everything in their power to push for an answer on whether he wants to go or not. Yeah, well, like, I don't know, he seems to like it here, too, but it seems like Ottawa wants him. There's also been talk about extending Ron Hainsey. It's like, no, you got this backwards, guys. See, that would be nuts, yeah. But, like, if, yeah, if DeMello wants to stay for a reasonable amount of money, I could see that being fine. Yeah, and there's just no way he's going to be able to demand $4 million. He's got eight assists, like you said. And, like, people don't... As, as bad as it is, people don't use, uh, especially for third guys who have played mainly on the third pair, they don't use, like, defensive stats or anything Yeah, you're like not that. looking super in-depth. No. Now, he is a plus seven. I, I guess that's true. <laughs> on the Ottawa Senators, nonetheless. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I just think uh, that they should probably try and keep him. I mean, it's not the end of the world if you move him, but they have a very bad right side of the defense. Uh, they have a couple guys in the minors. I think Lassie Thompson's a right-handed D. Uh, they got a couple other names down there, but it, it's going to be, uh, I think, Bernard Docker's a right-handed D as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it's going to be a couple years until those guys are ready to be in a top four role, whereas Dylan DeMello can be a guy to guide them or, like, protect them, right? So it's like if you want to bring one or two of them up next year, they don't have to be playing in the top four. Yeah, and you get in, like, their decor's bad enough right now that they, if they traded him, I guess they'd be getting into the somebody has to play on the NHL team. Yeah category where well yeah and it's like next year like i don't think ottawa is planning on being like a playoff team next year but you want to probably see some marginal improvement from bottom three in the league like you're going to finish this year especially if you have two top seven picks or whatever it's going to be yeah you're hope probably hoping that you're picking like well obviously you always hope you pick first if you make the playoffs yeah. or miss the playoffs but you're thinking you're going to come like sixth or seventh yeah exactly or like yeah that. or like even like 
I don't know, say you're kind of in the Buffalo territory right now where it's like maybe you pick 10th last, and yeah. Buffalo would see that as a disappointment, rightfully so, but for Ottawa, it's like, okay, we've built off something here, right? Like, Yeah, we went from, we made that jump from 60 points to like 80 points, yes. where now our next jump is into the playoffs instead of being relevant. It, exactly. So, um, But yeah, for Ottawa, I think, you know, next year, I mean, another, it depends what, all depends on what happens to the draft this year. I think if the lottery gets lucky and they get a top two pick, they should be expecting to be improved next year. Yeah, or but, if they get two, they could be. Yes, but like... the, yeah, they could be like a legitimate playoff team next year. Um, and then depending what they do in, on the back end, they could like make some noise in their division. Probably not quite to that extent, obviously. But like, uh, if let's they... put it let's put it this way: if they got um, one of Lafreniere and Byfield, and then another top five pick, that would be that they would be dangerous. Next I could year. see them having the New Jersey off season, like. Same kind yes. of idea if that's who yeah. they. I would only rec- like think that's smart if, if they, they have, got like, yeah. Byfield or Lafreniere, but and another. I think and another top five pick. Yeah, if I'm being honest. Like, yeah, because you want more than just Shabbat to <laughs> yes. Chuck as far as like top, yes. top assets going forward. But yeah. yeah, exactly. And I mean, so like if they, but if say they get unlucky and they get the fourth and eighth or ninth pick or fifth and ninth or whatever it ends up being. Um, you know, maybe just being okay with letting whoever you pick at five and nine play in the minors, or you know, and if it's a European and your AHL team for a while, and just let them develop, and you can be bad one more year next year, and then go for it, like try and make a jump to the playoffs, right? Or yeah, they're nice because it's not a big rush. No, like if they really... if they get screwed on the lottery this year, it's not like they need to be the first for overall pick again the next year, or they're screwed or no, something. No, and like they already have three kinda... seconds for next year, too, so, you know, they're looking good draft-wise, and that's without whatever. They have two firsts and two seconds this year, and that or three seconds this year, sorry, and that's without whatever they um, end up acquiring uh, at the deadline. Yeah, like, it looks like they're going to have at least ten picks in the first two rounds over the next two years. Yeah. Which is, yeah, that's pretty, that's not half bad. No, not at all, so... Um, yeah, that was our Ottawa Senators talk, I guess, for the week. Kind of randomly at the uh, end of the yeah. episode there. Uh, okay, we got really off topic there. Um, do you have anything else to add for the week? I don't think so. I don't think so either. Uh, as always, you can follow me on Twitter at NHL Sends and Stuff. Follow Chase on Twitter at CMHockey66. Find my work at lastwordonhockey.com. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and we will talk to you next week.